Good evening, everyone. We are one day after Yom Kippur, and few days before Sukkot. And these few days, the four days between Kippur and Sukkot, it's half Yom Tov. It already has a special status. We don't do vidui. When we pray, we don't do vidui anymore. Maybe there was too many viduim on Yom Kippur, so now until the end of uh, Tishrei, no viduim, you know. But uh, it's the entire month now, it's like a Yom Tov. Even after Sukkot, still no vidui. The light, the light of the holidays is still in Shamayim, the spiritual light. I thought, since we don't have any lecture in a website about Sukkot, Maybe we'll do today a lecture about Sukkot, explain some of the secrets about Sukkot. And uh, of course, if you have questions, we also dedicate this shiur. I also brought with me something. Good thing you reminded me. Uh, in a memory of, what is this? Meir Chai Ben Frecha and Bechor Ben and also a friend of mine in LA that went into a coma, a young man, 64 years old, right between Rosh Hashanah and Kippur. So we'll do the shiur lerefuat Rafael Hanania Ben Simi, refuah shlema, and also a young girl that passed away in her 20s. Elisheva Scheindel Bat Shimon Aviezer. Like I said, the tragedies are accumulating. Sometimes it drives you crazy what's going on out there. And we see right away after Rosh Hashanah, we begin to see the decrease one after the other. But I want to talk about something happy today. So. We know that there are three festivals, Shlosha Regalim, three Regalim. <coughs> Which one of the three Regalim is exceptional? Huh? All of them? No, except between the three. Which one is different? No. We have Pesach, Sukkot, and Shavuot. Which one of the three is exceptional? Huh? Pesach also have a lot of mitzvot. Simcha's beta shoeva. It's not a holiday. It's a simcha that they did in Chol Hamoed. But if there would not be Sukkot, there would not be Simcha's beta shoeva. You know, it's like saying you make a party in Chol Hamoed of Pesach. It's just because it's Pesach you're making a party, not the other way around. But which one of the three holidays are? Our exception. The answer is Shavuot. Shavuot is only one day. No Cholamued, no week. Usually when they go to Sukkot, every 13 years old and older, Bar Mitzvah, they go to Yerushalayim and they are staying there for the whole week. Same thing in Pesach. Come Shavuot, one day. One day and finished. Also, Shavuot is different cause than Pesach and Sukkot. Pesach and Sukkot is uh, 
repeating the exodus of Egypt. Pesach, Matzot, that's exactly the day that we came out of Egypt. And then also Sukkot is a memory of the exodus of Egypt. Why are we sitting in a sukkah? There's two reasons. One reason is that Rabbi Akiva said that we, Hashem actually made us sit in real sukkot, like we are doing. Sukkot with, with putting some uh, bushes on top, just like we do today. <clears throat> and then the other opinion is, no, it's not only that. It was also the clouds, the seven special clouds that HaKadosh Baruch Hu arranged for us the entire time that we walked in a desert. One in each side, one protecting us from the side, one from the back, one from the other side, one on top protecting from the, from the massive sun that you have in a desert. Imagine it's talking 110, 120 degrees. You have to walk there with such sun on your head for four years from morning to night. There's nowhere to hide. It's obviously not, uh, it's not simple. So this, this cloud was actually covering. It's like air condition, like cooling. And then one cloud was on the, in front of them with fire showing the way, GPS. Much more advanced than the one we have today. The one you have today, well, you want to go to Tel Aviv, it takes you to Baka El Garbia. The Arabs waiting with their access for you. Make a left. Why? Well, I want to go straight to Tel Aviv. Make a left to the Arab village. They're waiting for you. But over there, it's a real GPS. It takes you directly to Eretz Israel. So, one cloud in front. And the cloud in front has another cause. What does it do? It makes the road straight. Because the desert is not a highway. The desert is up and down. You go up, you go down. There's holes, there's, uh, you know, all, there's all kinds of things. It's very difficult. The old people, if they have to go down the hill, they all collapse. They cannot, they cannot go down the hill or to climb up. So it makes everything straight. Everybody see a clear miracle. Clear miracle. They make, the, the cloud comes. Before, you see everything is up and down. You get nervous. Then the cloud goes, and everything becomes straight. Like they press the shirts in a dry clean. It becomes very wrinkled. Once it goes into the steam, everything becomes very straight. The secrets of the three festivals, the three regalim, Pesach, it's for Avraham Avinu, we're going to explain. And Shavuot, it's for Yitzchak Avinu. And Sukkot, for Yaakov Avinu. Why? What's the connection? Avraham Avinu, the Torah say that he said to Sarah, Mahari, Mahari, hurry up, Lushi, make dough to make ugot. Ugot means something round. That's why the matzot is round. The real matzot, not the, the machine. The real one, handmade, is all round. Why? Chazal teaching us, it was Pesach. It was Passover that day when he told her that. They have to prepare uh, food for the guests, for the angels. When was it? Pesach. Mari Lushi. Now remember, Avraham Avinu is before the Torah was given. But Avraham already knew all the Torah. How do we know? The Torah said that Hashem said that he loved Avraham because he kept all his Torahs and the mitzvot, and he knew that he's going to teach to his children. 
אברהם kept all the מצוות, even the מצוות the רבנן, like עירוב תבשילים. הוא היה צריך עירוב תבשילים. If you have יום טוב, attached to Shabbat, you're not allowed to prepare anything from יום טוב to Shabbat. So what do you do? You have to start preparing for Shabbat before יום טוב. If you started to prepare before, it all go after the beginning. Same thing in Birkat Amazon. If Motzei Shabbat, ten minutes before it became Sunday. Once it becomes night, it's already Sunday. But ten minutes before you wash and you begin to eat, you make a Motzei. And then you sit for two hours. It's already nine o'clock at night. Shabbat, people are driving all over already. But you're still doing Seuda Shlishit, like the Hasidim with the Rebbe, the singing and this. It's nine o'clock already. Now they have to do Birkat Amazon. Can they say Shabbat? Beyom HaShabbat Azeh? And this Shabbat? It's already Sunday. The answer is yes. It goes after the start of the meal, after the beginning. So, same thing over here. <coughs> so what we have here, Avraham, he told her make matzot, make ma'ari lushi, so that's Pesach. Yitzchak, what's the connection between Yitzchak and Shavuot? When Avraham took Yitzchak to the mountain to slaughter him, when the angel came and told him, don't touch him, you passed the test. What happened? The soul of Yitzchak came out and went into the ram that was stuck with his horns by the tree. There was a bush there, so his horns are stuck. He cannot pull his head up. It was waiting for him all the time there for Abraham to have him. It was a part of the plan. The one who made the test already prepared what you need after the test. Since Abraham passed the test, he said, well, let me do at least a cut, something. He said, no, no, don't touch him. I know you, you have fear for Hashem, you're tzaddik. Just go take this ram, do it instead. Okay. The horn of this ram, this, this is what we make shofar. Which shofar? The shofar of, the shofar of Mount Sinai. What does the Torah say? Vayi beyot haboker, bayom ha-shlishi, in a fair day, after the Hashem told Moshe, prepare them for the acceptance of the Torah. In the third day, early in the morning, everybody started to hear the voice of Shofar. But real, it's getting louder and louder every second, the voice of the Shofar. Every second. So, what happened? What happened? The Yitzchak went into the ram, and in the end they slaughtered the ram. And that's what we say every morning in Shachrit. May you look at the ashes of Yitzchak Avinu and have mercy on us while you're looking at his ashes. What ashes? Yitzchak went back home, and he got married, everything. What happened? Yeah, his soul went into the ram. And when the ram was slaughtered and burned, what happened? This is the ashes of Yitzchak. And Yitzchak, the physical Yitzchak, received a different soul. And only after that he was able to have kids. If it wouldn't happen, he would never have kids. It's very interesting. So for instance, Yitzchak was 37 years old. If Yitzchak would tell Avram, listen, Abba, I really respect you. 
but there's nowhere that the boy has to agree when his father wants to kill him because he wants to prove Hashem that he's righteous. You'll be righteous on your own body, not on mine. Now, what do you want from me? You want me now to, 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 to get killed because you, you want to show Hashem that you love him? What, what, what? For that, I'm going, you tell me to do things for you, fine. But to kill myself, I'm sorry. But Yitzchak agrees. And not only say, tie me that I won't move, that there will be a kosher slaughtering. If Yitzchak would refuse, basically he wouldn't have kids. It's very interesting how it's all connected. Because according to the Zohar, he had a neshama, nukba. Nukba means a female, which means in a soul, it's, it's, it's hard for us to understand because we know the body has male and female. But the soul, what's the relation between a soul, female, or male? So the Zohar say he had a female, a female soul. And once this female soul came out, a male soul came in, and I was able to have kids once he married Rivka. So this is the secret of Shavuot, Yitzchak. And Sukkot, Yaakov. What's the connection between Yaakov and uh, Sukkot? That the Torah says, Yaakov Sukkot lemikneu. Yaakov made Sukkot for the sheep. He put the sheep inside Sukkot. Exactly the same Sukkot, but he puts the sheep in. So in the Torah, we have a verse about Sukkot relates to Yaakov. A verse about Shofar relates to Yitzchak. And a verse about Matzot, Avraham and Sarah. So Avraham, Pesach, Yitzchak, Shavuot, Yaakov, Sukkot. The Torah says, You're going to sit in a Sukkot seven days. Every residence of Israel will sit in a Sukkah. What's the purpose of sitting in a Sukkah? What's the purpose? That all the generations to come will know that I put the nation of Israel to sit inside the Sukkot when I took them out of Egypt. So we said, Rabbi Elazar say, the clouds, the seven clouds. Rabbi Akiva say, actual Sukkot. Then we know that Sukkot comes right after the 10 days of Aseret Yemet Shuvah. The answer is why, why, the question why, the answer is <clears throat> because when a person goes into a period of making repentance, making Shuvah, sometimes no matter what you're going to do, you cannot make perfect repentance. Only after you go to the exile, the Shuvah become complete. We see it through the entire Torah. Yerida la Galut, going to the exile, is helping to clean, to cleanse the soul and to clean all the sins. Why? When a person lives far away from his home, his life is never going to be the same. Especially if he's Bukhari and he goes five blocks away from his parents, forget it. How can we, how can we live, Rabbi? My parents want me right across the street. <laughs> the husband wants to live over there and the parents want her to be now on black, the rabbi get a call. It's a one-week walk. How we overcome the problem. So going to the exile is really a problem. It messed up your life. Hashem come to Avram Avinu and say to him, Lech lecha. Go out of your place. Leave your land. 
leave the place where you're born and leave the house of your father and go somewhere. He doesn't ask questions, but he goes away. But going away from the place where you're born, from the place that you used to, to a place that you have to start from zero, then it's very, very big struggling. Even if you have a lot of money, even Americans or French people who came to Israel with millions of dollars, they have nightmare, at least for two years. Complete nightmare. Money doesn't buy everything. It takes them long, long time first to get used to the humidity and the heat. Second thing to the tiny apartments. It can be a very fancy, expensive apartment, but everything is small. They got used to land, this. All of a sudden, it's all crowded. Then the Israeli mentality. You know, you're around so many sharp, clever people in business, it becomes much harder than what you got used to. And then, of course, many other problems over there, the security, the Arabs, this, that. There's a lot of problems. It takes a long time. Eretz Israel niknet bi'isurim. So when a person go to a new place, <coughs> always have a lot of struggle. That's why Hashem say in the Torah to help the converts very much because they come from one area into a complete different world. Not only they have to deal with the change in the mentality that from now on every minute of their life they have to think allowed, not allowed. For he was a goy, everything is allowed. What do you mean allowed, not allowed? Whatever you want to do, you do. All of a sudden, how do I tie my shoes? How do I, how do I wash my hands? How do I make food? What's allowed, not allowed in this part? 25 hours a day, his head is what, what, allowed, not allowed, allowed. Doesn't have that much knowledge. He's trying his best. He's mentally, it's mental stress as it is. On top of it, no more relative, no more family, no friends, no job, no nothing. If the new brothers that he got won't help him, he's finished. So they really have no chance. That's why it's mentioned in the Torah 36 times, because his exile is triple. Somebody else, he goes to another place, he may have difficulty with the place, but it's the same Judaism. You keep Shabbos here, you keep Shabbos in Yerushalayim or in Bnei Brak. The laws are the same. You already know what needs to be done. The mentality maybe is different, but it's much easier. So going to the exile right after Yom Kippur, for many of us, this is the final things we need to complete our tshuva. So Hashem say here, go right into the sukkah. There was one, uh, one bus driver in Yerushalayim, not religious, secular bus driver. One day he drives in Yerushalayim with a bus. It's uh, in the area where all the religious people are. And then a five-year-old girl ran into the street. He couldn't stop the bus on time, and he went over her. And he killed her instantly. And the mother of the girl sitting first row on the bus next to the driver. She see in her own eyes. She was supposed to get off the, bus, or the stop. Just before the girl ran, and that's what happened. Oh, the driver is in shock. He lost his mind. He's crying, screaming. And, uh, and everyone is trying to comfort the lady. So the bus the driver just realized not only he did that, the mother is right in front of him. It's like double punishment. So he said to her, forgive me. I hope you saw that it wasn't my fault. So after he, you know, she told him, listen, you took a soul from Hashem. You have to return the soul to Hashem. You want me to forgive you? You took a soul, <coughs> return a soul. 
He said, how can I return a soul? She's dead already. He said, your soul. She's a daughter of Hashem. You also a son of Hashem. But right now you're very far from him. You don't keep anything. Return your soul to Hashem. What do you want me to do? Become religious. Make tshuva. Start learn. Keep Shabbat. That's what you have to do. So he became religious. He felt so bad. Okay, if that's what you want me to, for, to forgive me, I'll do it. Then he became religious, and all the problems started. Cannot find a job, cannot get married, sicknesses, depression, problems. Everyone pointed him in the street. That's the guy who killed the girl. So he went crazy. So he came to Chacham Ben Sion Abba Shaul, which was a very big, important Rav as in that area in Yerushalayim. And he asked him, Rabbi, what should I do? And he said to him, you have to go to the exile. The exile will cleanse all, will get rid of all your sins. So what do you mean to go to the exile? He said, you leave Israel and make sure every week you go from one place to another. Don't ever stay in one in place more than one week. Every week, different place. Today you, you live in this city for a week, move to another city, move to another city. He said, for how long? He said, until they offer you a kosher girl to get married and you know this is your shiduch. Once it's going to happen, you come with her to Eretz Israel and your nightmare will be over. I always use this story, which I know for sure happened. Some stories I don't know, I'm, I'm careful not to even say. But here I know, I have, I know witnesses personally of that story, so I tell you the story for sure happened. And I always use this story to show you that people in our generation has a holy vision. Almost like a prophet. Prophet, Hashem talks to him. But the Gemara says, Chacham Adif Minavi. A Chacham, someone who is big in the Torah, is even greater than a prophet. So you, you see that the rabbi saw exactly what's the tikkun, what's the correction for his soul. Otherwise, I always say there's two possibilities. One is that he is a huge chacham with the holy vision, with Ruach HaKodesh. And the other possibility is that he's the biggest rasha in the world. There's no in-between. You understand what I'm saying here? If he doesn't have Ruach HaKodesh, a Jew come to you, you are supposed to be a rabbi to give him advice to help him. And you tell him, go and suffer every week like a gypsy. You move from one place to the other. You destroyed his life. Not only he suffer, now you bury him, you want him to shoot himself in the head? What do you want? So how, do you, how are you going to have the guts if you don't really see for sure that that's what he needs to do to take a Jew and tell him every week, move to another place? It may take 20 years now until he find that girl. Maybe he will never find her. You know? So what do you do? You, you're murdering a person? And this is a person who didn't stop learning for a minute. Every second, even was walking on the street, his eyes was always rolling. You, you, whenever you came to him, Rabbi, you took him out of his learning. No matter what, on the street, walking, sitting, all the time he was learning. It was a very big, humble chacham. Everybody saw big tzaddik, there's no questions here. So for sure, he's not a murderer, right? Even us, that we're not big tzaddikim. I don't think we are, have the guts to murder a person and destroy his life, knowing we, we're telling him a lie that is going to make him miserable for the next 20 years. So that's a proof that he knew what he, he saw, what he saw exactly what he needs. So he sent him away. And then after a few years, he met a girl. 
and he came to Israel and his nightmare really was over. So we see from here that the exile erased the sins and it's very helpful for a person. Now, the prophet Zechariah, Zachary, described the end of the world in Zachary 14. How it's going to be when the world will come to an end. Many times people, Jews and Goim, ask me, where does it say in the Tanakh how it's going to be the end of the world? I don't have that much time. I just tell them in two words, Zachary 14. And some of them send right away a message after a few hours. Whoa. <laughs> Very scary. If you read it, you understand. Once the third temple will be built, the Gentiles who survive after the Gogumagog final war will be obligated to come every Sukkot to celebrate the festival of Sukkot with the Jews in Yerushalayim, with the, in a third temple. And the prophet Zechariah, Zachary, warned, he warned the goyim that do not want to come or are too lazy to come, thank you, they are too lazy to come, that they would lose the rain. There's not gonna be rain in their place. Rain, not literally rain like what we think water. Because you can always import water in our days. Rain comes from the word Gashmiut, Geshem. Geshem, Mashiva Ruach Morida Geshem. First, Hashem elevates us spiritually, Ruach, spirit, Ruach. Well, then Morida Geshem, then brings us the wealth. You'll be tzaddik, I'll take care of you, don't worry. Don't have to work, kill yourself. Just listen to me, that's going to be your work. Mashiv Haruach. Bring your spirit up. Thank you. The summer came back. I don't know what's happening here. Summer, we don't get well. So probably what it means that the goyim that would not want to come to Yerushalayim would lose their convenience. But it gets very interesting now. Pay attention. So it says like this. It's, the question is, since when the goyim, the, since when the goyim has to celebrate a Jewish holiday? Just because they're righteous goyim and they stay in the time of Mashiach, nowhere in the Torah it says that the Torah will ever change, that the goy will have to keep Shabbat or to put filin or to circumcise himself or to celebrate Sukkot. Why all of a sudden Hashem cared that this goyim will come and celebrate Sukkot? That's question number one. What's question number two? The Gemara says that in the future to come, one day in the future, we don't know exactly when, Hashem will take a Sefer Torah, I believe he's referring to the Messiah, which is the representative of Hashem, he would come with a Sefer Torah and announce all the righteous Jews who lived by this Torah, now it's the time for you to come and receive your payment, your reward. And right away, the Gentiles are also coming and they scream, where is the justice? If we had mitzvot, we also keep it. Why are they receiving all this? And then they said, 
everything the Jews did, they did thanks to us, right? For instance, they drive every day to the synagogue, no? Who made the road for them? Vini and Tony and Jose and Diego. They made the roads, no? How Yitzchak would go to shul without these amigos? So they deserve, they're part of the mitzvah, no? Didn't you say in the Torah that a Jew makes other make mitzvah, his reward is even greater than them? Without us, they wouldn't do it. We made bridges. How the rabbi come from Monsi to talk in Queens every night without our bridge, George Washington Bridge. You know how many of us died when we made the bridge? You know how many died when we made the Triborough Bridge? Then the, the Jew had a flat tire. He had to go and buy a tire. Who made the tire? Ahmad, Muhammad, Mustafa. They made the tire, no? So without this tire from Ahmed, the Jew couldn't come to, to learn Torah. Now you come to the building. You have this beautiful yeshivot of, all over. Who really built it? All the amigos or whatever, they all build it. So now, now look how many already Oh, If you give us mitzvot, we also do the mitzvot. So Hashem said to them, Shotim shekmotchem, you bunch of fools. Everything you did, you did for yourself, not for my children. You did it for the money. You made bridges to collect tolls. Everything you did was for yourself. You care about my children. Now, it's very interesting. Hashem didn't say to them, you bunch of liars. He didn't say liars, because they're not lying. The Jews did benefit from what they did. But Hashem said to them, you bunch of fools. If you really had in mind, I'm making this building that Yosef and Abraham and Yitzchak and Daniel will come to learn and serve their God. And I, am, as a goy, will have the schut to grab them by the, by the jacket. Take me with you. If he really had that in mind when he built the building, then it really helped them. Because Hashem didn't say to them liars. Yes, you're right. Everything you say, you made the Jews benefits. But you only did it for the money. If you do it for the mitzvah, that's a different story. So that would benefit them a lot. Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai, when he was teaching Torah, he taught, when he was teaching high Kabbalah, he said to the students, let's go out and learn outside, not in a building. Why? Because the people who built this building, these goyim who built this building, were wicked people. And when you create something, you design something, when you make music, when you make art, you put a part of your spirit in it. And if you're good, it's good. So it's good to listen to this music, because it came from a holy source. But if it came from a wicked person, then it's affecting you to be like him. Same thing when you eat non-kosher animals and, you, and they are attackers, like crocodile, like all kinds of bad animals, you become like them because they are attacking. The Torah says only eat the surrendering animal. Don't eat attackers. Only eat the ones who surrender. Why? You don't have ego, pride, anger, murdering. You don't have this. You eat this kind of animal, you get their traits. That's why there's a lot of secrets here, what to eat, what not to eat. Even you buy a coffee, 
and Mr. Bruce Lee is stirring the coffee for you. And, and um, uh, what's the name of them? The donuts place, the 7-Eleven. Say, you know, Mustafa from Pakistan or Bruce Lee from China, he takes the straw and he mixes it for you. He puts a part of his spirit in it. Just an hour ago, he bowed down to his Buddha 15 times and kissed his feet. And God Hashem very angry. He's a despicable, spiritually, maybe he's a nice person, but spiritually he's in the lowest level in a creation because he's bowing down to an idol or to a cow. At least the Muslims don't bow down to, uh, don't bow down to idols. Believe in one God. But here, it's a, it's a very serious problem. Or it's a Christian who believes in JC. And everything he say, JC, JC, the father, the son, all this nonsense. And he stared for you. That's why I know some rabbis, doesn't matter where you bring the catering from. Completely Bishul Israel. Just knowing that after the Israel turned the fire on and even did some of the cooking and came Amigo and finished it, he's he never going to eat from this food. Glad kosher, 100%, catering in the most uh, religious places. If he knows a Jew did it from A to Z, and he knows a Shomer Shabbat Jew, you understand? And the ingredients, of course, is all kosher, he eats. Or even, I give you another example. If a woman Nida made it, also he doesn't want to eat. Why? Different kind of impurity. There's all kinds of impurities. Of course, this is Chumrah, this is not the halacha. But just to show you that there are things that we are not aware of. So let's move on. So these goyim, they come and they say, if you give us a mitzvah, we also be righteous. And Hashem say, no problem. I'm giving you now a mitzvah. Go build a sukkah and sit there seven days. Sukkah? What does it mean sukkah? What does it mean sukkah? He said, thank you, know, make a sukkah, you take four, four poles, you put schach, you made the walls, you build yourself a shed. And they said, no problem, we'll do it. So they built sukkot, and Hashem bring the sun just like in Tammuz. Tammuz in Israel, it's August. You know how hot and humid is in Israel in August? You come out of the freezing shower, exactly a minute later, you're all dripping sweat. Bnei Brak, Tel Aviv. So now all these goyim who came now, Hashem said, okay, no problem. You want mitzvah? Here is mitzvah. Make sukkah. So they make sukkah, they come sit inside the sukkah. He left his nice house, mansion, whatever. His Mercedes is parking outside. And this Tony now sits inside the sukkah. And after an hour, he said, wow, there's no air condition in this sukkah, I can't take it. They go, they go out of the sukkah, and they kick the sukkah. Say, what is this nonsense now, sitting in this <laughs> shed, whatever. They kick it. And Hashem said to them, you lousy people, finally you asked me to give you one mitzvah, I gave you mitzvah, and look how you get upset. That's the story. This is a mashal, a parable. If it really will happen literally or not, I don't know, because the Gemara is full of secrets. But one thing I want to ask about this. I don't understand what Hashem wants from this goyim. Even if a Jew comes out of the sukkah because it's horrible, it's very hot, very hot, 100 degrees, humid, it's dripping sweat, 
תהלכה איז מצטער פטור מן הסוכה. If you have aggravation, if you suffer, that's not what I want. I want you to enjoy the holiday. I want you to sit and eat and sing and sleep in a sukkah and to feel great, which means if there is bad smell over there, not that you build the sukkah on purpose next to the bathroom that you don't have to sit in it. Rabbi, I do, mitztair patur min ha-sukkah, no? Say that if, the, if it's bad smell, you don't have to sleep in a sukkah. Look what's going on. Rabbi, you fool, why you build it right next to the bathroom? You should build it in the other side. That's no, that's not, that's a, that's a crook, that's not mitztair. You build it in a kosher place, and Amigo brought his pork sausages, and he, bar, he barbecue right next to you. You smell it, you want to vomit, just from the thought what it's made from, and you're suffering inside a sukkah. So you go and say, you know what, let me go, I sleep in my bedroom. Over there, I close the window, I put the air, the air condition, the filter, I don't have to smell it. Oh, bugs. Tons of bees, bugs, all kinds of problems. Or rain, dripping rain. So you move in, you sleep in. If you sleep in a sukkah, it's a sin. If you sleep in a sukkah and it's raining on your head, or you're freezing, or you're boiling hot, and you, you force yourself to stay in, you be, you're, you're falling into the opposite of Hashem's order. Hashem says, enjoy in a sukkah. You're suffering a sukkah, it's no mitzvah. They have to go out. So what does he want from them? He took the sun out. They were boiling hot. They couldn't take it. So they came out. They, came out. they didn't violate anything. So what's going on here? The answer is, the secret of this story is, when you left the sukkah, that's the main test. What did you feel in your heart? Now you have to take everything in and sit inside and eat inside and sleep inside. Did you feel, ah, Baruch Hashem, it's raining. Finally, I can go back to my $1,000 mattress with the AC. Or, or you say, wow, finally we wait all year to do the mitzvah for you, Hashem, and now the rain, couldn't you make the rain tomorrow that we can do the mitzvah for you? That means you're not interested in our mitzvah. Why is it? Why didn't you have mercy on us? Now we have to wait another year for the next time. If you feel like this, there's no problem you sleep in your bedroom. Why? Hashem choker klayot valev. He knows what you want. Ratzah la'asot mitzvah ve'ne'enas ke'ilu asa'ah. Person who came to do a mitzvah and was somehow forced not to do it, it count 100% like he made the mitzvah. One, not 99, 100% like you did, actually did. You come to Shamaim, they show you that day you're sleeping, snoring in your bedroom, and what happened? It count like you slept in a sukkah. When they come out of the sukkah, they kick the sukkah. Hashem says, I'm not worried that you came out. Even the Jew would come out. I know it. But I'm angry why you kick the sukkah. Instead of being upset when I finally gave you a mitzvah and you're not happy from it, and you kick the sukkah, for that you have a serious problem. The Gemara says, when the Goim destroyed Bet HaMikdash, who did they, who did they hurt more? 
the nation of Israel or themselves. So the truth is, they held the nation of Israel, because we depend on Bet HaMikdash very much. But they also caused a very serious problem for themselves. What was the problem? Every day in Sukkot, they sacrifice cows. How many? First day, 13. Second day, 12. Third day, 11. 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 2, 1. When is the one? The eighth day, Shmini Atzeret, which is a separate holiday. It's true that it's attached to Sukkot, but we're going to explain what Shmini Atzeret is in a minute. But the special day, which is Shmini Atzeret, that's the day of the nation of Israel. But all the other cows, the 13, 12, 11, was all for the Goim. So the Jews are sacrificing cows in the, in the temple in Yerushalayim for who? For Mustafa, for Said, for Ching Chang Chung, for all these people all over the world, from the, from, from the Romans in Italy. They come to Yerushalayim to destroy the temple. And basically, just a month or two ago when there was a holiday in Sukkot, the Jews sacrificed a cow for your nation and for his nation and for his nation. So they're doing it, and the, and the Gemara said that these cows were saving them from so much suffering, Isurim. Many of the suffering that they deserve to get, this cow that they sacrificed for that nation was repentance from this Goim. Repentance for the Goim. This was repentance for the Goim. Now the Goim destroyed the altar, the Bet HaMikdash. There's no way to sacrifice for them. So they are suffering now more because there's no Bet HaMikdash. So we see very interesting things. Sukkot, it connects a lot to the Goim. From all the mitzvot in the Torah, what mitzvah Hashem gave them? Sukkah. Why? Why didn't tell them put filling for one day? Why didn't tell them make yourself matzah and eat? Why didn't tell them all kinds of other things? Sit and learn Torah two hours. Why from all the 613 mitzvot, Hashem told the goyim, build a sukkah and sit in? The answer is, there are two ways to become a son of Hashem. One is to convert, you circumcise and you go into the mikveh. You went in, Chris, you came out, Moshe. So that's one way. The other way is to sit under Ananea Kavod. Betzela Shechina, Betzila de Mehemnuta, that's what we read before we go. If you sit under the Shach, the Shechina, it's much like sitting under the Talit of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. You know how in Birkat Kohanim the father open up his Talit and his children are underneath and he covers them? The Sukkah is the same thing. The Gaon Mivilna did not leave the Sukkah all week. He didn't go anywhere. He didn't go to the main street to eat. Uh, Mezon out there that maybe when, uh, to drink something on Main Street, maybe he doesn't eat sukkah. No. All week he sat in a sukkah. He said, the tent of Hashem is here next to my home, and I'm going to waste my time going here, going there. All week he was sitting learning inside the sukkah besides the bathroom that he went in and out. But other than that, he sat in a sukkah. According to the Gaon Mivilna, he holds that every second you sit in a sukkah, it's a mitzvah. The halacha is that when you have to eat bread, you need sukkah. 
you don't have sukkah, you cannot eat bread. You have a problem. You have to find sukkah even of your neighbor or in a restaurant or something, asking permission, I need to eat bread. Let me do, let me wash and eat at least in your sukkah, and then I'll go somewhere else. But according to the Gaon Mivilna, every, so once you did Netila and you sit in a sukkah, you need to eat bread, so you sit in a sukkah. You need to sleep, you need sukkah. But every other thing, you walk in a park, you go anywhere, it's not a sin. The Gaon Mivilna holds that every second you sit inside a sukkah, it's a mitzvah. Just like having tefillin on you. If you have tefillin one hour or five hours, five hours is five times more mitzvot. It doesn't go by one time. You put, you say, Asher kiddishanu mitzvotav etzivanu, laniach tefillin. No. Every minute, every minute that you have the tefillin, it's more and more and more mitzvot. Same thing, talik katan on the body. Every minute you have it is more, you're making more. It's not one time a day. If it was one time a day, what's the problem? I put it in the morning. Baruch Hashem, Elokeinu Melech HaOlam, Asher Kiddushan Tzvotam Yitzhano, Al Mitzvah Tzitzit, you wear it two minutes, too hot, get rid of it, and go. Why you need it all the time? So every minute is mitzvah. Second, it's protection. There's other things. Protection, you're surrounded with the names of Hashem around you in four corners. So, The Zohar, which is the source of the Kabbalah, the Zohar, teaching us about the Ushpizin, not the movie, the real Ushpizin. What's Ushpizin? Guest. In Israel, when a person goes to the hospital, they call it Le'it Ashpez, Me'ushpaz. Come from the word Ushpizin, Mit'areach. Just like when you go to the hotel, you're a guest there, right? When you go to the hospital, it's like hotel in a way. They serve you, they take care of you, so it's called meushpaz. Come from the word in Aramic, ushpizin. What's ushpizin? The guest. The Zohar say every night, every sukkah of the Jews all over the world, the spirit, the soul of Avraham Avinu in the first night come to visit in every Jewish kosher sukkah. Sukkah is not kosher, Avram is not interested to sit there, waste his time. If it's a kosher sukkah, he comes to visit. But he only comes if there are poor people that day eating in the owners of this sukkah. If he hosts poor people to come and eat by him, Avram agreed to come. If not, I don't go to this sukkah. Only when there are guests, that's why in Sukkot is a special mitzvah to have at least one or two guests in a sukkah. Even though it's tiny, it's crowded, whatever. At least to bring people. Why? You bring them in, you have the schut of the ushpizin coming to your sukkah. You don't bring the poor people, the ushpizin goes to your neighbor. Not to you. You have to know that. Second night, Yitzchak Avinu. Third night, Yaakov Avinu. Fourth night, who? Moshe. Fifth night, Aaron. Sixth night, Yosef. Some say it's the opposite. Yosef is the fourth, because it goes by the chronological order. But according to Kabbalah, the sixth night, Yosef. And the last night, David. King David. Seven, every day. Imagine if now, 
Imagine, forget about them. Imagine now Rav Eliashiv say, I heard that you great machnis orchim, you always bring people to eat in your sukkot. I want to come and spend with you a day in your sukkah. I want to sit in your sukkah. What would you do? Call the media right away. Come, come, make sure you put all your cameras next to me. Don't worry, I'll pay you by the hour. <laughs> Why? It's very good for business. Rav Eliashiv come with his fair hat into your... 101 years old, come into your sukkah, all the religious photographers, they come, take pictures, tomorrow it's all over the religious newspapers, you become a millionaire tomorrow. Why? Rav Eliashiv went to this guy's sukkot. Avraham Avinu, with all the respect to Rav Eliashiv, is a little bit higher, no? Isn't it worth to bring one or two guests that Avraham will come every night, and the first night, second night, Yitzchak, David Amelech, the founder of Mashiach, you don't want him to sit in your sukkah? No, the guests are annoying. No, you know, they complain about the food. They talk too much. He has excuses. At least bring them for an hour to be Yotze Lidei Chova. Same thing, by the way, in Lela Seder. Mitzvah to bring. Kol Dichfin Yete. What do we say in Agada? Kol Ditzrich. Everyone who needs, everyone who has no place. Here, the door is open. The door is not locked tonight. Now let's talk a little bit about Arbaat Aminim. We have Lulav, we have Etrog, we have Hadas, and we have Arava. This is what Hashem said from all the fruits in the world. These are the four trees or leaves that Hashem said to put them together. If they're not together, it's not kosher. They have to be together, three and one attached three together, and they are and they're trog, and they have to touch each other. If not, it's separate, it's not good. What's the secret of them? The lulav, it's the spine. It's like the spine of the person. The trog, it's like a shape of the heart. The adasim, it's the shape of the eyes. If you look at the way eyes is, the lips of the adasim. And the arava, it's very long. It's the shape of the lips. Those are the four most important things in the a, in a, in a body of a person. The spine, the mouth, the eyes, and the, and the heart. Everyone symbolizes something, but it gets better. The lulav comes from the date, from the palm trees. The date. The dates are very delicious fruit, whether they raw, whether they dry, they're very sweet, like honey. And they are from the Shivat Aminim, they are special. Then the Etrog, not today. Today the Etrog don't have taste anymore. But in the old days it was very juicy and a little bit sour, but mostly sweet. There was the food of only the rich people. Poor people couldn't afford it. Even now it's very expensive. Some people pay three, four hundred dollars on an Etrog, you know? <coughs> But it used to be very delicious, very juicy. In the time of Yosef, 3,300 uh, years ago in Egypt, in the house of Potiphar, they served to the, poor, to the rich ladies at Rogim. If today somebody comes to your house, what fruit are you going to serve? You got to find some uh, special fruit that is very expensive. They used to serve at Rogim because it was very delicious. The, the, the Midrash said that when they, when they were, 
when the Goyot, the Egyptians, saw the beauty of Yosef, they were busy cutting at Rogim, they cut their fingers. They got so excited because he was so handsome. Yosef Atzadik, they cut their fingers off. So what happened is, the trog has taste and smell. It smells great, and it has delicious taste. What is it like? People that have Torah and Midot. The traits are great, personality, the way they behave, and the level of the Torah is very high. This is what the etrog symbolizes. The, the lulav, which comes from the date tree, has great taste, but has no smell at all. So it has a lot of Torah, but no good personality, no good midot. Nobody is impressed from his beautiful righteousness. No, because there's none there. He knows a lot of Torah, he learns, he learns, he's book smart. In reality, he's not tzaddik. We have people like this. The Hadas has amazing smell, no taste whatsoever, which means great personality, everyone loves him, friendly, you know, not hurting anyone. Torah gurnished. Never show up to learn. He knows all the size of the tires of the new Ferrari, the new Volvo, whatever. Torah, leave me alone, not for me, Rabbi. Doesn't learn. And we have Arava. No taste, no smell. No traits, no Torah, no nothing. Comes the holiday of Sukkot. Hashem say, I want all four different kinds of Jews unite together. And once you put all four of them together, come the righteous one and the Talmidei Chachamim and cover for the one who has nothing, and they become one unit. And that's the secret of this holiday of Sukkot, to put everything together. That's why if you hold it separately in two hands, problem, lo yotzeli dechova. It has to be together. Now what's the secrets that every day we go around in a bima, in a shul, seven times? Oh, shana. What's all this? This is what they used to do in Bet HaMikdash around the altar. The altar in Bet HaMikdash. And they go with their lulavim around Bet HaMikdash. Inside Bet HaMikdash, shaking the lulav all days, is, all week is the oraita from the Torah. Here, only first day. That's why if you have an etrog and the top, the pitam, broke, if it broke in the first day, you must find a new etrog. But if it broke the second day and on, you can go, you continue with this like this, right? This, from, the, from the second day to the end is already the Rabbanan. It's not Pasul. But for the first day from the Torah, you must have it. That's why we only say Shechianu in the first day also. Because every day it's a separate mitzvah. Every day you make a separate bracha. Shechianu only in the first day. Then, the Torah says like this, Chag Sukkot shivat yamim. Make yourself the holiday of Sukkot for seven days. Be'osfecha migornecha u'mi'ikvecha. When do you do Sukkot? After the entire year you work very hard. Almost everyone was a farmer. Everyone. So everyone has field. This guy is growing wheat. This one is barley. This one is corn. This one... Everyone has fruit and vegetables. So all... Here, you took care of the, you plow in the ground, you put the seed, you give water, whatever you do. 
When is the holiday that you pick everything into container? Sukkot. You feel the cash in your hand. You know, I used to have a boss 20 years ago. It was like this, like a barrel, you know. As a Jew that I don't even find goyim like him, let's put it that way. Eating ham, eating this, cheating, lying. He had this big gingy mustache, tons of hair, huge. You don't know him, he's already left the world a long time ago. And he used to come to me like this, with a sandwich of ham and cheese. You want some? Delicious. Come, taste this. So I say to him, listen, you're going to continue like this until Hashem will get angry at you and will choke you, and then we'll see what you have to say. Three weeks later, he, got, he, got, he died. Three weeks later, he died. But before he died, all day was standing in a big restaurant, bagel store, like this. I never forget this image. It's a pile of cash. It was very busy, very, very busy store in Great Neck. Big, massive bagel store. You go like this. All day like this. All day like His hands like this. Piles of cash. And I was thinking to myself, this Rasha, all day counting cash, and I don't have money to put in a payphone. He used to go to call to Israel, you need three and a half dollars in quarters. Soon as you finish putting all the quarters, you have one minute left. <laughs> used to be expensive. And he's like this all day. Like this until, you know, he died 40, 42 years old, that's it. That's like what the Torah say, karet, the physical karet. That he, So the people after Sukkot, they're also like this. Wow, psh, piles of wheat. Now business finally. Now it's, now it's the season. Rabbi, it's the season now. Can I put the go in my boot? No, it's Shabbat, but it's the season now. The season. So Hashem say, yes, I know it's the season. Now you finally became rich. You're going to sell 100 tons of wheat, barley. You, become, you make fortune. Leave your beautiful palace and go sit in a little bootke in a sukkah. Rain, heat, you sit in a sukkah. Lower your pride right away. When people make a lot of money, they feel, ah, I'm independent finally. My future is secure. How many people in America three years ago thought that their future is secure until, not only until the Mashiach will arrive, until they finish building the third temple, I have enough cash. For me, my children, my grandchildren, three, four months, they lost everything. This bad investment here, there. Nobody knows what's going to be. If people think in this country, if they put a few million dollars on saving, that that's going to save them, they are wrong. And I want you to know now, almost every man has a robbery in New York. And really serious robberies with knives, with guns. They're robbing kids, not only adults, kids. You send your son to the store to buy something. One of the people see them. And as soon as they come out, they come to them, give me the money. What's the kid going to do? He's afraid. You see two gorillas standing there. And they take away everything. They rob everyone. And they're not afraid. And I'm telling you, they're robbing people in the afternoon when the streets are very busy. Even the police is one block away. They're not afraid. And I say that a few months ago that they have nothing to lose. 
Some of them say, I wish they catch me. At least I'm going to have my television and air condition and heat in jail. And I, all the bodies from the neighborhood. Re reunion. Very good, ma. No, I don't need health insurance. Don't need problem. Doctors take care of me. I have great bed. What's the basketball as much as I want all day like this? Big screens. He cannot afford it in his life. So he has nothing to lose. It's a no-lose situation. If he rob you, he now has $1,000. If he got caught, also hotel. For him, it's hotel. He doesn't have it at home. It's a very dangerous situation. Time is running out. And I want to read to you Gogu Magog description for us to know what, what's coming. One more word about Shmini Atzeret. Well, one more thing, I started to say the Pasuk. Chag Sukkot seven days when you pick up the wheat and the, from the vineyard, all the grapes. Vesamachta Bechagecha, you can only be happy in your holiday if you take care of the widow and the orphans and the converts. Ata vebincha uvitcha vealevi asher bisharecha vaager vealmana vayatom. All all the list, which means if the orphans and the widows are sitting home and they have nothing to eat and they struggling, and you are sitting in your sukkah and enjoying delicious meat, that's not what Hashem wanted. That's not considered simchat yom tov. That's that's cruelty. Cruelty. If you know in your town there are people who sit and have nothing to eat on Yom Tov, and you don't care about this, that's a very serious problem. That's why, Baruch Hashem, we have great organizations today that take care of the people. Chickens for Shabbos right here. Why? Yom Tov come. And, 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 and there's, it's not only ordinary people. It's Melamdim, people who teach, people who take care of, of our children, or our future. They continue to spread the Torah. And some of them, because they're busy so much with Torah, they don't have time. What are they going to do? They're going to go to work and teach Torah. It's either this or this. And unfortunately, what they make, it's very, very small salaries. Not enough to feed six, seven, ten children. Not enough for rent. Not enough for anything. And the rich people cannot sit home and enjoy in a sukkah when all these people are suffering and, and how can it be? Over here somebody is enjoying and over here someone is crying on Yom Tov. And it's in the Torah. At, uh, even the slave, the servants, even the servant, you have a servant, the maid, what we call today. She has to be happy on Yom Tov. You have to give her a gift, something to eat. If she's depressed and you're sitting in your beautiful sukkah, it's also not Simchat Yom Tov. Need, needless to say, all the, the, the rabbis, the chachamim, the orphans, the widows. Now what is it Shmini Atzeret? Atzeret means in Hebrew, come from the word Atzor, La'atzor, to stop. There's another holiday we call Atzeret, very interesting, Shavuot. Shavuot in a, in, a, in a Gemara, it's also called Atzeret. So what do we have? We have Shmini Atzeret and we have Shavuot Atzeret. What's the difference? Shavuot is the end of Pesach. Shavuot really was supposed to be right by the end of Pesach. But Hashem made Shavuot exactly as it was in Matan Torah, seven weeks after they came out of Egypt. But in Sukkot, Shmini Atzeret was supposed to be also way later. 
But Hashem had mercy on them, because remember, it's not like today you get into your BMW and one hour you're in Yerushalayim. It's no problem. In the old days, you want to come from Tiberias to Yerushalayim, it's two weeks with your donkey and your children. You have to change tires, the tires are from wood, you have to fix them in the middle of the night, you're in a forest, you don't know what's going to be, foxes, hyenas, Arabs are waiting with their uh, knives. It's rough time. So what happened? So Hashem knew that they already in Sukkot, sending them back to the area of Tel Aviv and all the areas and bring them a month later again, it's already too much. We did it once in Pesach. We sent them, now they have to come back seven weeks later. It's a big struggle. You are already here. I'm attaching this holiday of Shmini Atzeret into Sukkot. So it really looks like Sukkot, but it's a separate holiday. It was supposed to be a completely detached holiday, Shmini Atzeret. That's why they call it Atzeret, because it's Otzer, it's ending, ending the entire uh, seven days of Sukkot, comes the eight days and finished everything. Now, we read in Sukkot two Aftarot. Two Aftarot, Aftara. One of them is, we believe it's going to be in Sukkot one day. It's the final war that will take place in this world. What we call Gog Umagog. Nobody knows exactly what these two words are meaning. Gog Umagog. Some wanted to say that the leaders of the two groups that will fight each other, one will be named Gog, the other one will, na will name Magog. Maybe it's in China. These names, Gog, Magog, it sounds Chinese to me. I don't think in Israel anyone named Gog, not in the United States. I don't know. But we don't really know what it means. There's a lot of secrets into these things. But one thing we do know, that it will be such a war that nobody ever saw such thing ever before. Even the, the, the Second World War or the First or whatever, when so many millions of people died, it's a peanut compared to what's going to happen in this war, because this war will be the final war. It's not going to be left any room for more wars after. And as I say to you, the prophet Zechariah Yudaled described how this, what's going to happen in those days. But now I'm reading to you from Ezekiel, from Yechezkel 38. You can go home and read it later. In the book of Yechezkel 38. Soon we're going to read it in the Yom Tov of Sukkot. And you see, and, and, you, and this is going to be exactly on the Shabbat, of what we call Shabbat Chol Amoed. We have a Wednesday night. From Wednesday night to Friday night is the first two days of Sukkot. Then comes Shabbat, which is already Shabbat Chol Amoed. In the morning of Shabbat, they're going to read this in the shul. And in that day, Gog will come to the land of Israel. This is the speech of God. My anger, Hashem is speaking, will reach the highest level ever. I'm going to be zealous to all the things that people didn't listen to me. And it's going to be a massive noise in that day on the land of Israel. Such earthquake, such massive earthquake, 
that the tsunami and all the things that we heard about recently is nothing compared to what's going to happen here. When there is an earthquake in the middle of the land, Carolina, San Francisco, doesn't affect the fish. Fish are still swim, swimming and enjoying the water. It makes a little waves maybe, the land moves. But when does it shake the entire the sharks, the fish, everything that lives in the ocean, when the earthquake also happened in the middle of the, of the water, in the ocean, and then it caused a huge wave of tsunami. That's what happened all the time. So this is what it described. The fish will all get nervous for what's happening. Wow, everything is rocking. And not only that, we are aware of earthquakes that affecting the land, buildings are falling, highways, bridges, we saw it. We also saw earthquakes in the ocean which caused waves of tsunami and rocking. We saw that also. Did you ever see a natural disaster that affecting the birds? Well, how you rock the birds? You rock the ground, you rock the ocean. How do you rock the birds? Ofa shamaim, the animals, it's obvious. Ofa shamaim, the birds who fly, also will be shaking from one place to another. All the big mountains will collapse. All the levels, levels, this highway, this highway, this building, levels, stairs, everything, will all collapse to the ground. Everything will be destroyed. People will fight each other non-stop. And I will judge everyone with blood and rain, obviously floods. Fire falling from heaven on many nations. Remember the whole world coming to Jerusalem to fight. And at that day, everybody will know who is Hashem. All these critics, people who have doubts, they talk against me, they will realize who the boss is in this world. All the Gentiles will know who is the God of Israel. And now you, who is you? Echeskel. Go and talk to this Gog. I guess Gog will be the leader of all this group, the nations that come against Israel. Oh, and he said to him, This is na names of nations, like the original way it used to be. Today they, they have different names, America, France, uh, whatever. But And I'm bringing you to the land of Israel. Over there will be your destruction. I'm going to send fire to Magog. Up to now it was Gog. Now it's Magog. And the islands, people who live in the islands. And they will all know who is God. And then... It will take, how long this war will take? 
seven years, seven years. Uva'aru ba'em, seven years the fire will not stop, seven years. Everywhere will be burning for seven years. Think about it. Today, one week, there's a war. Everyone is already going crazy. Seven years. No trees will be left. All the weapons will go on fire. The grave of Gog will be in the land of Israel. And all his people and it will take seven months to purify the land from all the bodies, as I said before. <clears throat> huh? We don't know. We know that it's supposed to be two leaders, or one will go, will have a group of nations against another group of nations. But I gotta tell you something. From learning and reading all the prophecies is very confusing. Why? First of all, there's, there's few descriptions. Like, for instance, in Zechariah, it describes a little bit different than here. Well, yeah, thank you. That's it. That's it. That's it. But the zoom. So, in Zechariah, now the reason that there are few different possibilities. It, it, the few possibilities how the end's gonna be. We don't know how Hashem's gonna do it. Hashem gave many different possibilities. For instance, one way is that uh, it will be all the nations of the world will make one hand after they're fighting each other. Yes, and they go mamash to a physical war against Israel. And the women of Jerusalem will run to the desert and they will destroy them and they'll do anything you can imagine. And then Hashem will come into the picture after it will be a massive destruction already and will take care of all these murderers and criminals who came to attack Israel and four billion of them will die. Four billion, two thirds. It doesn't say billion. It said two thirds of the world will die. If you have 7 billion today, you are talking 4.5 billion people will die. 4.5 billion. How does it happen? Only with atomic war. There's no other way to kill so many people. But the Vilna Gaon already said 250 years ago that the last war really will be nine minutes. Of course, it's going to be seven years, everything will be burning. Even today, in Nagasaki and Hiroshima, you still feel what happened there uh, 50, 60 years ago, whatever it was. You understand? But the, the actual war will be finished in nine minutes, which means they'll shoot all over, atomic bombs all over. There's enough atomic weapon in the world to destroy almost the whole world. United States, Russia, Pakistan, India, Israel, uh, Europe. There's enough. If everyone would shoot at everyone, and everyone will commit suicide just as long as they can destroy the others. That explains how all these people will die. Then the Zohar says that there will be 15 days of darkness. All of a sudden, no sun. Just darkness. Cannot see anything. What does it mean? There will not be sun. The law of nature will change. Or it's going to be, the sky will be black from the radiation of the atomic bombs. We don't, I don't really know. But it will be 15 days of darkness. 
And in these 15 days, Hashem get rid of all the wicked Jews as well, not only the Goyim. Just as it was in Egypt, only 20% came out. 80%, which is millions of people, if you think about it. it. There's all kinds of opinions how many Jews came out. The smallest opinion is 3 million. There are more, there could be 12 million. If we go by the minimal number, which is 3 million came out, how many died? 12 million. So in the best scenario, 12 million Jews died in Egypt, double than the Holocaust with the German. Double. I always wonder to myself, how can we celebrate Pesach? If one person out of a family, right? If a family of five members, one got saved, 20%, one, and four died, can he celebrate his liberation? People say, crazy, what are you making a party? You had uh, f four brothers, you're the only one who got saved, they killed your four brothers and you're making a party that you came out of Egypt? I never have an answer to this. Maybe, but it cannot be that either the whole family died or the whole family survived. If it was possible realistically, no. They grew up in land, that's they didn't grow up at home. Still, still. Doesn't matter where you go. Why, you can't, they, why can't they be the test, like he said? Just like today, you have 50 million Jews in the world. At 50 million, there's only about 1.5 that are from approximately 1.2, right. 1.3. So who's going to punish them, they say? It's hard. It, well, if the Mashiach will come today, we have a very serious problem because at least. 70% of the Jews do not live according to the Torah. But could be that many of them, like I find, I, I meet a lot of uh, American students that grew up here in America, and they don't even know one detail. Not forget that we have millions of things in Judaism. They don't know even one thing that connects to Judaism, nothing. You ask them what day you circumcise a baby, they don't know. What day it's a special day in the week for the Jews? They don't know. That's how bad it is. You think I'm exaggerating? I saw the students, PhD in science, PhD this, PhD that. They don't know who's Abraham Avino. Who was Abraham? Who, who was he? Abraham Lincoln? They don't know anything. Now, if you think it's only in America like this, I told once a story. I actually think it was in this room. I don't know, maybe there's a reason why I remember this story every time I come here. That one religious guy is giving a lecture inside a secular school in Israel that they never allowed people with beard and hats to walk in. Even if you want to use the school as a shortcut, somebody will make sure a rock would, hit, would land on your head. That's how much they hate religion over there. And all of a sudden, a guy with a beard and a hat is coming to speak there every Friday. So his rabbi say to him, how did you do such wonder? How did you come to the school and speak to these kids? So he said, I came to this principal before Shavuot. And I told her, I want to come to speak 10 minutes in your school to teach the kids about Shavuot. She said, well, what do you want us to talk about? Why we eat dairy? What's the significance of the holiday that the Jews came out of Egypt and then seven weeks they got the Torah? Just very, very brief. She said to him, but you promised me that you're not going to start making propaganda to become religious and all these things. He said, yes, 
only to teach about Shavuot, nothing else. She said, you're willing to sign to guarantee me in writing that you're not going to talk about become religious? So he said, yes, I'll sign. She said, okay, let me write a note. Sign here. She wanted to protect herself from the parents. That after the parents come to stone her, she's going to be able to say, yeah, listen, I, I was cautious. I made him sign. I didn't, I didn't think he's going to go against his signature. So he signed that he won't try to make everyone religious. So he went there on Shavuot. He talked 10 minutes about Shavuot. And then he had 30 seconds left. So he looks at his watch. So he said to them, do you know what, uh, uh, when King David was born? They don't know anything. So he said on Shavuot. Do you know when he passed away? Shavuot. Then he said to them, now I have one last question. Do you know who wrote the book of Tehillim? So 400 kids, nobody makes a beep. 400 high school kids, nobody knows. You don't know who wrote Tehillim? Nobody knows. I'll give you a hint. David, everyone scream. Ben Gurion. <laughs> <laughs> so the principal didn't know where to hide from the embarrassment. At least she knew. So he told her, "Don't you think that we need a little bit, a little bit more Judaism here? Maybe 10 minutes a week. I come, I talk about a little bit about the principle of Judaism, and that's how he got in." Because they are so embarrassed, they're afraid to tell him no. So this is what's going on here. So now, this kind of people, what's going to be with them when this war will be, I don't know. Only Hashem knows what's going to be. Possible that they will have one last chance before it happens to wake up, and the proof will be very strong. And those who will take the chance will get saved, and the ones who will not get it will not get saved. I don't really know. But I can only tell you right now, the way it looks, that it's very bad. Mamash, I have two, three more minutes, and then uh, Robbie Newman will speak after me in a minute or two. He has an announcement to make. But just before, the Zohar says 15 days of darkness, and Hashem cleans the world, and then the salvation will start in the, 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 the Geula. And then over here, as you can see, it's a, it's a, it's a final war between Gog and Magog, on the land of Israel. So how is it going to be? Hashem will decide. And it can also be that none of it will happen. None of these bad ends will happen. For instance, if two, three more million Jews now become religious, maybe it can turn everything around. Because all these warnings that Hashem gave us was only for us to become more through, more religious, and closer to the truth. If we're going to do it, what reason he has to, to bring all this massive destruction? You don't get punished unless if you're guilty. So it could be, could be that will be very sweet. Very few will disappear, the, the real wicked people, and the rest will see the hand of God, and Hashem will take revenge against all the wicked goyim who made Israel suffer for thousands of years, and that will be the end of it. We don't really know. But one thing I want to tell you is, that if it's going to happen, it's going to happen either on Sukkot or in Pesach. 
One opinion in Egmara, Benisan Nigalu, the salvation was in the month of Nisan, Benisan Atidim Ligael. However, all these tragedies that are described are all in a, in a holiday of Sukkot. Gog Magog, that's why we read it in Sukkot. So we don't really know. One thing we do know, that if we will be tzaddikim, each one of us, the Torah promise, someone who has in his hand Torah learning, lots of Torah learning, and gmilut chasadim, helping others, then we will get saved from the most incredible horror that you can imagine. The worst things, the worst tragedies, that there's really not even 1% chance to get saved from such massive destruction, Hashem will pick up the innocent people and save them against all odds. What does it mean, Torah? Torah means to learn a lot yourself and to support people who learn Torah by giving them money and giving them food and giving them uh, clothing, chicken for Shabbat, all these organizations that try to save people and give them what they need just to survive. And we're not talking here about buying them a house here or buying them a car, obviously. Just food for the children to eat that they won't be starving. Because in Israel, half a million kids go to sleep hungry every day. Every day, half a million. A country that has seven million people, five and a half of them is, is Jews. Five and a half million Jews. Half a million from five and a half. We are talking a massive amount, almost 10% here. 10% of the people of Israel go to sleep hungry, and this is a civilized, advanced nation. It's not a third... Uh, uh, third country, you know, like, uh, like in Africa, yeah? We are talking almost like Europe. And 10% of the population going to sleep hungry without a piece of bread in a closet to eat just one slice of rye bread that I won't starve until tomorrow morning, they don't have. Not to talk about milk and fruit and meat, that's luxury. And here is not that much better. What do you think? Just because you see a lot of fancy cars, you see the 20, 30% of the population. The other ones are either mamash paying the bills in the last minute, and many of them don't have. Don't have enough to pay the bills. They owe here, they owe there. This supermarket closed their line of credit. The other one, there's nowhere to buy anymore. There's nowhere to borrow from. They owe here, they lose their house, they don't pay their taxes, they have uh, problems with the IRS because they own back years. There's, I know thousands of Jews like this. What do you think? The guy from Tom Cheshabes once said, a year ago, today it's much worse. He said, you should see what fancy suit and ties and fancy cars coming here to pick up the boxes. This is people that until two, three months ago were wealthy. They had a nice job, and now they don't have what to eat. For three, four months, they're out of the job. All the bills are constantly coming. They never believed that one day the boss will come and kick him out of the window. After 10 years, he had a steady job. And all of a sudden, it takes them years to find a job. Just someone today sent me an email that a husband that is a professional that was making good money while he was working finally found a job after two years of searching. And in these two years, they collapsed financially because they have massive amount of bills as they used to live comfortably. And now, for two, two years, you don't have income. You know what's going on? I know someone in Muncie was making half a million dollars a year working for Citibank, consultant, 
And then they fired him, and for three years he doesn't have income. For three years. He's already a million dollars in debt in three years because he has children to feed, this, house to pay, bills to pay. People are not preparing that in one minute you can become homeless. You understand? And that's why by the Goyim, when the Goyim don't have money, they take a gun and put it to someone's head and they steal. A Jew is going to take a gun and say, give me your wallet. You don't find things like this, especially not a religious Jew. But robbery is everywhere. You got to be very careful. If you go on the street, put $20 in your pocket, the rest cover in the sacks inside. That if they come and say, okay, okay, take everything. So worst comes to us, if you don't have an expensive watch, big deal, he takes it. And he takes your wallet. And that's it. So you lose $20, $30. If you take all your money, wallet, credit card, license, everything, it's very, very dangerous now because I'm telling you, they're robbing everywhere. Everywhere in Lakewood, these Monsey, here, Queens, Brooklyn a lot. In Brooklyn, in the middle of the day, 2 o'clock, lunchtime, Sunflower Cafe. Few black guys came in, they, one standing by the door, nobody comes in and out. Everyone put their wallet, their jewelry right on the table. In the middle, thousands of people walk in Coney Island Avenue. From the windows, from this side. From, everyone walks, they don't care. They're standing over there with machine guns. You put everything, you don't put, they shoot you. They don't care. They have nothing to lose, these people. I told you, once they have nothing to lose, it's like the Arab suicide bombers. They don't want to leave Bichlal. So they have nothing to lose. You cannot threat them by shooting them or, or telling them we're going to put you in an electric chair. Big deal. He's not afraid of it. So what happened? Eh, all the people who sit to eat lunch had to put all their jewelry, diamond rings, everything. They took everything and disappeared. And that's what's happening. We gotta be, I'm telling you, when the economy is, there, is like this, situation will only get worse. You've got to be clever. You try, you try to protect yourself as much as you can. Soon it's going to be breaking into the house, putting, a, putting you to sleep with a spray. And, you know, this happening already in Englewood, in Great Neck, in places already there were robberies in the house. And they're going to come. The more fancy your house here in Queens, you should know that they come to you first. They don't come to a one-bedroom apartment. They know over there there's maybe nothing to steal. They check the security. You know, it's a, I saw a beautiful thing, and we'll finish with this. I saw the, there's, a, there's a saying in Gemara that the more chacham you are in a Torah, the bigger your yetzer hara. The greater you become in your righteousness, the more the Satan come after you. Kol agadol michavero, ken, itzro gadol mimeno. Right? So the Gemara brings an example of Abaye who he saw a man and a woman. The woman wants to get a ride with a man. They go on a carriage, and he said, for sure, they'll make a scene. They go in between the trees. They have to go uh, 12 kilometers. That's how far they have to go with the horse. So it's probably 10, 20 hours of ride. I have to walk after them and follow them that they won't touch each other. That if they do, I scream, and I save them from making a scene. I've been following them, and in the end, they didn't touch each other. She went here, and he went there. And, he, and the rabbi fell on the floor, and he was an old man, a, a huge, holy person. His name is almost in every chapter or in, almost in every page in the Gemara. Abaye and Rava everywhere. And he fell on the floor and started to cry. And then somebody found him. What happened? He said, you see, they never touch each other. He said, you should be happy. He said, you don't understand. I'm not crying for them. For them, I'm happy. I'm crying for myself. If I would give a right to this girl, I wouldn't be able to resist 
with my Yetzirah being 10 hours with her and a horse in the middle of the forest. At least with the thoughts, maybe not actions, but the thoughts, I wouldn't be able to control my mind. So <coughs> look at this guy, he's better than me. So the Gemara say, no, how can it be? It's not that he's greater than him. This guy, Abaye, is a million times bigger Yetzirah. Because he's such a holy person, the Satan came after him. So the question is, why the Satan is looking for a hard job? Go to the losers. One, two, three, you put them in a hole. Come, come, you little one. Come here, candy. Oh, you put a sack on his head, you put. He's a little fool, this kid. Why are you coming to four years, man? A manager in the back, walking the street. Come, 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 take candy. Come, I want to kidnap you. I'll give you one smack, get out of here. Little kids, it's easy to, to kidnap. So why the Satan comes to such big chachamim to mess with them? Go to the people in the market selling gold, selling guyava, selling bananas. Go to them. So the answer is, it's like a thief. When a thief comes to steal, he always go to the house that is protected the most. If there is a broken lock, nobody lock the place, he can go in one, two, three. He doesn't bother. If the people didn't bother to put a good lock here, there's probably nothing in. Let me not waste my time. Oh, over here there's a, a great lock. They probably have good safe inside. If they see camera, security, alarm, now they have more incentive to go there. And if they see a guard standing there with machine gun, oh, uh, probably tons of rubies are waiting for me inside. They'll make a whole plan. They come, they dig a tunnel, they come under the house, they land with a helicopter. They'll find a way. Why? Because if there is a great luck, there's a great security system, there's a lot of juice there. You understand? You live in a shed, nobody come to rob you. So that's what I say to each one of us. You want to be protected, don't attract attention. Don't walk with expensive watches. Don't go with expensive uh, briefcase. Don't look like a million dollar. Look very simple, very humble. Don't attract attention. You drive a fancy car, your life is in a risk. Why? There's many wounded animals that are murderers without any regret. They're walking on the street and looking who to hit. You want to be their next victim? It's up to you. If you're humble and you hide, it's good against Ainara. It's good for your children's education. And it's good to save your life. Rabbi, Rabbi Newman, please come uh, and uh, make your important announcement. I wish everyone Chag Sameach. And again, Shana Tova. Yeah, Rabbi Hanania ben Akashia Omer, Ratsa Akash Bachulis Dakot Israel, Lefi Hachir Bala and Torah Mitzvot, Shneemar, Adonai Hafez Leman, Sitkoyak Dil, Torah Viadir. Amen. Amen. Stand there, I'll record it and leave it in the lecture. Amen. Amen.
יש למה למדתי שבעיה חיים בסבר, ישועה ונחמה ושדבר ופרעה וכפלאו, חבר הפרה, רבע מרצה לאדם ולבוא ישראל, Listen, just, I, I just give me a, a few minutes. You know, in Kew Garden Hills, there was a yid there, Hidama Rabbi Olbam, his name was Lenny Top, he was Nifter, he should have a lichter gnaden. And his son's bar mitzvah, a woman came from Flatbush. She stayed in my home, and she told me she was very, very sick. So she went to her Vigda Miller's at Sal, and she asked her Vigda Miller, what should she pray for? You understand, you have to understand that. What, what, what should she pray for? The woman is so, so sick. And she needed a big, big operation. So Vigda Miller is at Sal. He told her, tell Hashem all the mitzvahs you're going to do next year. We're a day after Yom Kippur. We have to do the same thing. You have to, you have to, you have to produce. You, you know, Rabbi Mizrahi said, that, you know, the bottom line is, Chesed ve'em The Rebbein Yoyne brings that posture down. You have to produce chesed. People are worried for studies. I say, it's my chiver, Rosh Hashunah, Yom Kippur. Hashem likes production every day. It's a Gemur, you should know. The Gemur of Rosh Hashunah Tezayim. Um, Rabbi Yoyisi, Udem, Nidn, Bechol, Yom, David. You should know, they in, they're boydek a person every day. Every day they judge a man and a woman. We go from shul to shul, we feed Jews. We fix Jews. That's what we do. We fix Hashem's children. We feed them and we clothe them. What could you buy for this tzedakah? What could you buy with your money? Everybody wants your money. Let me tell you about this tzedakah. Your money is worth today about $7.5 million. Nobody touches a pita unless it goes to feed a Jew or to clothe him or to buy blankets winter coats this is what you could buy this is what it pays to live for that this should never happen you could buy you could buy for Steist they're going to pay you for what you what you did and for what you prevented Who wrote this letter? We specialize in Malamdan. Malamdan, just like Rabbi Mizrahi. Imagine how the Shum, there wouldn't be such a tzaddik that this person, you know how many Jews he affected? Thousands. We specialize in Malamdan. We have on this payroll about 290 Malamdan. We spend about in the last, in the last about a couple of years, better than 800,000 just on Malamdan. It paid to live in this world just to, just to fix families in Malamdan. Because without Malamdan, we're bankrupt. Completely bankrupt. There are no Kirov organizations. All the Kirov organizations, who do they take to make Kirov? They take a Shemesh Shabbat who's a Talmud Chuchim. Without a Talmud Chuchim, there's nobody can make Kirov. Who wrote this letter? I'm Malamdan's wife. Until three years ago, our family did not know what it meant to be relying on others for help. But unfortunately, the wheel of fortune has turned, and now without assistance, we would not manage at all. We're a family of 11, al Hashem. Before my ninth child, I had a miscarriage. Listen, this happened on a Friday night. 
after I spent the entire Thursday in such distress over the fact that I did not have enough fish or chicken for Shabbos. It was because of my deep emotional pain that I miscarried. Now, listen, I, want to exp- I want to explain to you something that's really that's critical. A few months ago, I went with a yid. He took me to, all, to many of his business associates to collect money. The last one was a guy, was a non-Jew. And he tells me, I should tell this non-Jew what I'm collecting for. No, no, no. I made that mistake once. I should go to a non-Jew. I should tell him, give me money for Yisraimim. Give me money for Almunis. Give me money for Malamdim. Give me money for Hamilton. So he should go and tell his priest and go to church and say, what are you talking about? Those Jews are not the chosen ones. Hey, I feed them. I clothe them. They come to my office. So I come to you. I come to you. Hashem blessed everybody. Some he blessed a little bit less financially, and some he blessed a lot. So I want to beg you to invest in a Jew. To invest in a Yid, you should know, is the greatest investment in the world. You see, there's nobody 100 years old in this Bismedrish. We're all going to be in a different place. In that place, you should know what that uni could do for you, nobody could touch. You see, that uni will come to the bunch and says, listen, I had nothing. I had no money, no vacation. My children look at me like I'm a loser. I couldn't buy him clothing. But you know the bunch I had a minute. I had a minute. You know why I had a minute? I didn't lose my minute. Because this Jew fed me. You fix him. Fix him. And that's the real truth. When Hashem looks at you, he has to see that Jew that you fed and you clothed. Because that's Pshat, that's the real you. And then the Rebbe himself, he'll sign for everybody. He'll sign for us. He will sign. The, you know, they're always writing. He'll sign for you. If you could give a line with chickens for Shabbos. Dot com. Oh, what could be a greater investment to invest in the thousands upon thousands upon thousands of children that we feed and we clothe and we clothe? Hashem should bless us that just like we fix His children, the bunchman should fix us. Amen. Amen.